Death is a reality we all must confront. Yet, the thought of facing our own mortality can be overwhelming and terrifying. But what if we could change the way we think about death at the end of our lives? What if we could make it a more peaceful and fulfilling experience for ourselves and our loved ones? Palliative care is a specialized type of care for patients and their families who are facing a serious, life-limiting illness. It focuses on reducing suffering and improving quality of life through symptom management and also through providing emotional, social, and spiritual support. On episode two of our two-part series on confronting mortality, we interviewed Dr. Hanjay Park, the palliative care physician at Joseph Grant Hospital in Burlington, Ontario. So as, as I often say to, to folks, I think good palliative care is just good care or good medicine. Palliative care is really care that looks to improve the quality of life, improve symptom control and reduce suffering for patients going through a serious illness, regardless of where they may be in their journey. Many people may not be familiar with the idea of palliative care and have misconceptions about it. This often leads to people not taking advantage of palliative care, even though it can greatly help them and their families during a very difficult time in their lives. I think probably the most common misconception that I come across is this idea that palliative care equals end-of-life care. And I think for a lot of patients, the mere mention of the word palliative care can bring about a lot of anxiety and fear. And I think we as healthcare providers should really look to take the time to explain what palliative care truly is and for families to understand that involving the palliative care approach to care can certainly help them at any stage of an illness, whether it be very early on, it might be provided concurrently with curative care, such as chemotherapy or surgeries, or later on in a serious illness journey where the palliative care um, focusing on quality of life and comfort may become actually the main focus of the person's overall goals of care. The phrase palliative approach has been used to describe the delivery of care that's consistent with the philosophy of palliative care. This approach can be applied to all kinds of healthcare professionals, regardless of their training, role, or setting. We often use the term palliative approach to care rather than thinking of specialist palliative care because I really do think wanting to bring about good quality of life, reduce suffering of patients is the fundamental role of a clinician. And so I believe every healthcare provider should be comfortable providing the palliative approach to care for their patients, whether they be family doctors, oncologists, cardiologists, internists, regardless of where the patient may be situated and and what the circumstances may be adopting an approach that looks at making sure that their goals of care are are addressed and talked about, making sure that the patient is aware of the prognosis and how the natural history of the illness may change them over time, and also having an approach in place to deal with any physical symptoms that may arise. We also have other tools available for clinicians, and a very simple tool, for example, is something known as the surprise question, in which we encourage clinicians to ask themselves, if this patient were to die within the next one year, would you be surprised? And if the answer to that question is no, that patient very well could benefit from the palliative approach to care being adopted for them. In terms of patients who may benefit from the palliative approach to care, but don't necessarily receive it, I would say the majority of the patients that I see are cancer patients. The benefit of palliative care involvement early on in an illness disease in illness trajectory for cancer patients is well established and well recognized by, I think, a lot of people. But some of those other conditions, which are very serious life-limiting illnesses, 
aren't necessarily seen that way because they can often be chronic conditions. So for example, things like congestive heart failure, COPD, asthma, chronic kidney disease, dementia, these are all illnesses that all can impact a person's quality of life, that all could impact their prognosis and have a you know, very well-known decline in terms of their functional status. Yet people don't necessarily think about involving the palliative approach to care or referral to a palliative care team for patients with these other organ illnesses or non-cancer diagnoses. So this, this certainly is an area that I would say we could be doing better in terms of making sure they're also receiving the appropriate palliative approach to care. As patients approach the end of their lives, they may experience a range of symptoms that can cause significant suffering. These symptoms can include physical pain, shortness of breath, restless or agitation, and nausea and vomiting. It's important for the palliative care team to address these physical symptoms in order to alleviate suffering, but also to improve the patient's quality of life. Common medications to use at the end of life include opioids like hydromorphone for pain or shortness of breath, antipsychotic medication like Haldol for agitation or restlessness, and medications like Zolfran to prevent nausea and vomiting. In the last hours to days, people often become less interested in eating and drinking, and this makes it really important to have a proper regimen for their mouth care. This can include having mouth sprays or gels to keep the mouth moist and using Vaseline for the patient's lips. It's also important to remember that patients near the end of life may experience psychosocial or spiritual suffering. This can include feelings of anxiety, depression, and isolation, as well as spiritual struggles related to meaning, purpose, and hope. Palliative care goes beyond just the physical, and it really focuses on the whole person, looking at the social, the spiritual, the psychological, the emotional, and really trying to address all the different domains of being well and being whole as a person to help them with that. So in my day-to-day work, I interact very closely with lots of different interprofessional healthcare providers, such as social workers, psychosocial bereavement counselors, home care coordinators, nurses, clinicians, to really work as a team to address all the different domains of suffering in order to help the patient and their families. I commonly hear this fear amongst patients that when I get close to the end of my life, that I will be in a lot of suffering or that I'll be in a lot of pain. There's also this concern that the clinicians who are involved in my care will simply put me on a morphine drip and put me to sleep until I can't feel anything until I am dead. And the first thing that I would say is not everyone necessarily has pain or symptoms towards the end of life. And those that do develop symptoms, the vast majority of times, almost in all cases, we can get them very comfortable because we have very good established treatment methods for all different symptoms. So While many patients are concerned about the physical symptoms towards the end of life, what I would say is that we are often very, very good at managing these symptoms. And if all else fails, meaning that despite conventional treatments, patients still remain uncomfortable for whatever reason, we have other means of making them comfortable, such as sedation therapy. So if you're going for a surgery, for example, despite there being physical surgery or surgical techniques that are being done to you remain comfortable. And just like that, when a person is very close to the end of life and they have uncontrolled symptoms that are refractory to typical treatments, then we have ways available to make sure that they remain comfortable towards the end of life. So I would say from a physical perspective, we don't typically have issues where we can't get people comfortable. 
I would say the more common difficult scenario that I come across in my day-to-day -day work is sometimes the social situations that I find my patients in. It could be conflict amongst family members. It could be existential crises in patients, feelings of, you know, why me? Why did this happen to me? And unresolved issues of grief and, and bereavement. These things are probably more difficult to, I don't want to say manage, but these are more challenging sometimes in the day-to-day -day work. But that's why we work very closely with some of our interprofessionals, such as our social workers, psychosocial bereavement counselors, sometimes caseworkers in the community, nurses, and always have this ongoing collaboration with colleagues to make sure we're addressing all of those needs as well. Since its legalization in 2016, medical assistance in dying or MAID in Canada has gained more attention among the public. To be eligible for MAID, individuals must be at least 18 years or older and be mentally competent. They have to have a grievous and irremediable medical condition and be fully informed about their condition and the existing treatment options to give their informed consent for this procedure. Some people view MAID similarly to palliative care, but it's important to know that they're two distinct entities. So I would say that there certainly are areas of overlap between palliative care and MAID in that both entities look to relieve suffering in patients with serious illnesses for the most cases. However, um, I think we have to be very clear and careful in distinguishing the two approaches. Medical assistance in dying relieves suffering in those people who meet the criteria for it here in Canada by law, by a procedure that ends the person's life before its natural death. Whereas palliative care um, in its core does not change, does not lengthen or shorten a person's life. It simply seeks to give them comfort and quality of life. Many, many entities such as the World Health Organization, the Canadian Society of Palliative Care Physicians have been very clear and distinct in saying that these entities are separate from one another and that the expectation should not be that palliative care clinicians be primarily the ones doing this, although certainly a lot of palliative care physicians and clinicians are involved in the provision and assessment of MAID as well. I say this because, once again, I have a lot of people coming to me expecting me to be the person that provides medical assistance in dying and a lot of people who make referrals to palliative care when really what the patient is looking for is, is medical assistance in dying. But what I would say is for those who believe that medical assistance in dying is the right decision for them, just like with any other medical procedure, they also have to understand the alternative treatments that are available to them. And for many people, it's palliative care. So while by no means would I discourage anyone from, from pursuing medical assistance in dying if they believe it's their choice, I also want to make sure that people understand that there is another option available called palliative care. And what I unfortunately see is many people aren't necessarily provided that choice or option before making the final decision. And we work, a lot of us work closely with MAID providers as well, because once again, I think we strive towards a common goal in terms of ensuring comfort and quality of life for patients. But I also do want to distinguish the two to say they are separate entities. Death is an inevitable part of life that we'll all have to confront. It can be a scary thought, but it's something we should prepare for. And whether it's for yourself or a loved one, palliative care can provide much of that needed support and comfort at the end of life. 
There are several things I would want everyone to know about palliative care. One, I would like to explain to people that it's not scary. It doesn't take away hope from anyone. It doesn't make people give up. What we have seen is that palliative care time and time again has been shown not only to improve quality of life, reduce suffering, reduce anxiety and depression, but also in some cases may actually improve and prolong prognosis and survival as well. So palliative care is not a scary entity. We're all here to help patients. And as I said, palliative care can very well be provided at the same time as curative treatment. Another thing that I would want everyone to know about palliative care is that palliative care can and should be provided by anyone, by everyone, and that I believe every graduating medical student, resident should familiarize themselves with it because what we have seen is that patients expect clinicians to talk about this. Patients expect clinicians to bring this up themselves. And if that is the expectation of our patients of us, I think we have a duty to them to be prepared for that. Palliative care physicians play a unique and important role in the healthcare system as they work with patients and families during one of the most challenging and sensitive times in a person's life. Now, Dr. Park will share his thoughts on how working in palliative care has changed his own outlook on life. So I had a preceptor of mine when I was a resident who was a palliative care specialist um, once told me, and I've experienced this myself, probably the most common, one of the most common things I hear people say when I tell them that I'm a palliative care physician is, oh my God, that must be so difficult. Like, how do you do that work? And this, this preceptor, when a family member said this to him, said, I feel privileged being able to help people when they need help the most. And also I remind myself that I get to go home and spend time with my family. Whereas for many of my patients and their families, they can't just walk away from their illness. So I'm always reminded of that. And, and yes, the work can be difficult at times, but as I said, it's an extremely rewarding um, job for myself. It's, it's something that I would never choose anything else to do if I were to do it all over again. But I think the importance of family, importance of those around you and spending time with them, knowing that, um, that you know, all of it could be taken away from you at any time and really cherishing the moments that you have with them is something that I try to live with. Thank you for listening to this episode of Hashtag Health. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast, please consider giving us a rating or review and subscribing to our show. You can also follow us on Instagram or Twitter at hashtag health podcast or like us on Facebook. This episode was written by your host, Emily Au, and produced by Patrick Kim.